Now, with all that being said, let's get to the sermon here today. What do you say? Let's pray. Yeah, woohoo! Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I get the feeling you guys need some good news here today. What do you think? You need some good news? I need some good news, too. I don't know uh, how you feel, but I do. And I know it's hot in here, but we're in Revelation. That's okay. You just sweat it out. You want a hallelujah? We're do Southern Church here today. You know what I'm saying? You want to just, uh, you you just do the head sweat thing and all that? You, you go ahead and help yourself this morning. That's yes, right. There we go. There we go. So that's right. We're, we're good old. This is, this is a, we'll just call this our camp Sunday. Right? Pretend you're at like a revival camp here today. Here is what we're doing. Uh, as you know, we've been going through just basically some of my favorite verses of the Bible. So it's sort of a... a sermon series, if you will, but it's really uh, not only thing that really glued that holds them together or just, hey, Pastor Jonathan loved this verse. So he wanted to just share some thoughts about it with you before he leaves. Because as I have mentioned before, uh, I have uh, three more Sundays with you after today, and then we'll be having uh, our a new pastor come. And so I know you guys are excited for that. And I know uh, you probably might be checking this out here, uh, Richard. So just uh, we're excited for you. Uh, we can't wait for you to come here. And uh, I know it looks like we're all really hot and sweaty today, which we are. But we're still excited for you, and so I do know that to hear you today. Well, I wanted to share this verse with you, but first got to set the setting of, again, another part of my life where this verse kind of really came into a tender moment for me. I've mentioned many, many times, and so I won't go into all the details. Again, my mother, who passed away in 2009, died of colon cancer, and uh, she, when her last days, was in home hospice, and so we you know, changed our dining room and moved it all out and put a hospital bed in there, and that was kind of her room. Um, but she was still pretty mobile until those, you know, very, very fat last few days. And so, uh, you know, my mom would get up around the house and walk around and do different things. And we had a patio in our back door. So you can imagine Georgia heat. Now, you guys are complaining right now, but Georgia heat is different. I'm just telling you, this is it's a whole other world than what you're experiencing right now. I know it feels hot, but it's just a whole other thing. So Georgia heat, you know, and, and uh, you go out on the patio. And, of course, uh, we, my mom loved to look at birds. So she had this huge bird feeder. And um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, you guys have Midwest squirrels around here, and they're, they're kind of like Midwestern nice. These are the Georgia squirrels, and they're like all transplanted from New York City or something. I mean, these guys don't understand business. They look at you, and they're like, hey, I'm a walking here. Like, they, they just do a whole other thing. So, of course, your bird feeders, you actually have to electrify them in order for the squirrels not to eat them all, which I know kind of happens here. But over there, it's like a big deal. I mean, like, you, they don't, birds don't even get a chance if you don't do it. And so, uh, and so down where it is, you can imagine my... My mom one day is, uh, you know, we're sitting there and, and she wants to say, oh, let's go outside. So we go outside and we're on the back deck, you know, sun setting. I mentioned about the pond that they were kind of near. Now, yeah, it was kind of off diagonally, kind of where we were was like the swampy frog area with the reeds and all that. That wasn't that pretty, but, you know, it was there. And so you're listening to all the, the, the mosquitoes. It's a lovely sound. Buzz by your ear. You know, you get, you get Georgia feeling yet, right? And so, uh, so that's, that's kind of the setting that's going on while all the squirrels look at us and we try to chase them off and all that stuff. But mom's sitting there with, of course, you got your ice cold beverage in hand. A lot of times it's sweet tea. This was just a water day for us on the moment, but we're drinking water outside. And, and uh, you know, this is towards her final days. And she looked at me and she said, hey, John, because she called me just John. And she said, uh, in seminary, did they ever teach you what heaven's like? Right? I don't know if you have, a, maybe you had these similar experiences where, you know, you have a loved one and, and you know, they're facing death, you know, they're facing death. And, and it's, it's always hard to talk about it, you know, in some ways, but there are these moments, these tender moments where sometimes it just kind of seeps through. And, and in that moment, my mom, you know, had always tried to chase positive and positive. And in that moment, you know, I could tell, you know, she was really coming to terms with what it meant to say goodbye. And uh, it was, again, this, this tender moment in my life. And 
Now, you also have to understand this about my mom. My mom loved to read the Bible and would read it every night. I have my Bible at home. It's got the, her notes in it, you know, and all that stuff that I got to keep. And uh, so I remember, like, my, my memory of my mom, especially in my older years, was, you know, coming and seeing her laying in bed right before bedtime with her Bible out, laying on with her little journal, writing down her journal stuff, writing down her Bible stuff. She knew scripture, right? She knows scripture. So it's not like I just go like, well, they taught me this here in Revelation, Mom 21, right? Like, that wasn't going to fit. And I just said, hey, you know, Mom, actually, you know, seminary is kind of a weird experience. And they, they teach you more how to study the Bible than what's in it. They expect you to just go and learn it on your own. Like, not bad or anything, but they just, you know, there's a different process of what they try to teach you in seminary. So I was like, you know, to answer your question directly, uh, no, not really. They didn't really say, like, here's what heaven is and here's all the things you got to memorize about it and stuff like that. They just simply said, here's how to study the Bible. Go and do it, right? And... Uh, but I said, you know, Mom, I know you know it, but uh, it sounds pretty awesome, <laughs> right? It sounds amazing. And, of course, the verse that I went to in my head, and, and as we kind of just talked about in kind of our ways there on the patio, again, in the heated sun with our cold beverage as we just talked together, was about Revelations, specifically chapter 21, which, of course, we read here just a minute ago. Now, I love, this is actually, I think I've shared this with you probably before, but I always mention this is one of my favorite verses, and a lot of times I preach, this is one of my favorite verses. This is, one of my, this is my favorite part of the whole Bible, right here, Revelation 21. And that's probably for a couple of reasons. One, because it's the end of the story, right? It's the, like, we've gone through it all, like, there's heaven on earth and all these different things. I mean, like, what you get, what's, what's the end thing, God? Like, what, what is the very final picture of what we're left with as far as, like, what is this What's the end game? Like, what's, what's the end goal? Like, why are we going through all this heartache? Why is all the heart going on life? Why is there the parable of the weeds and the wheat growing together and they got to be torn out later? Why not just tear them up now? All these different things. And you get to the very end of Revelation right here, and the answer is given, right? In the picture. But I think it's so interesting and so worthy of noting of this. A lot of people will accuse Christians of just, hey, pie in the sky kind of thinking, way beyond the blue kind of thinking. We're just positive because, you know what? To be atheist is just too depressing, right? But I want to just, it's always interesting to, to look at Revelation 21 when it finally describes what heaven's like and look at the descriptors. Because to me, if I was human and I wanted to make this up and try to sell you on this idea, I would talk about things like, you are going to have all the money you want, right? Or in this context, I would have talked about how many sheep and camels and all those other things you're going to own. Or I would have talked about you know what, you're not only going to own this, you're going to have mansions, right? Not just one, you're going to have multiple, and they're going to be painted gold. You're going to have a gold toilet in your bedroom, like on the side, like, you know, I would go on and on and on about like all the good things that we naturally human beings desire to have, right? You're going to have friends. No one's going to dislike you on Facebook ever, right? You're going to post, and there's not going to be one bad thing said against you, right? I mean, like on and on, and that could go on and on and on, but you get the idea, right? I mean, you're going to have huge family. You're going to have parties all the time. It's, it's Basically, dream your dream vacation, and it's that every day. That's what I would describe, right? If I was human, making this up. But it's so telling to me that the main thrust of this story, and the main thrust when we finally get to this heaven and what it's like, there's a whole bunch of descriptors as far as things going on and stuff happening. But when it gets to, like, what do we get out of it? It's about being with God. I mean, hear these words. Again, I just want to share them with you. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, 
and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, if you're going to make this up, that's a horrible teaser for people, right? The only way that, that, that has any weight to it is if it's true and people can experience it on this side of life and know that God is so good that they look forward to it and they go, yeah, I'm willing to sell out everything for the treasure that is in heaven because I know in my heart I've experienced it and I've tasted it and I've, I've had the experience here on earth while I've been on earth that God is so good that I will take that above everything else. Otherwise, that statement makes no sense at all. It makes why be worthy of something you can't experience and you don't know? And yet, the focus and the thrust of it is us with God. Now, of course, there were a couple other things that are worthy of mentioning here. It, you see that very beginning part, it says the sea is no more. Now, you might sit there and go, well, I like the ocean. I like my waves. We well, know this, that the Israelites and the Israel people, they, they saw the, the ocean was, was the form of chaos. It was the idea, you know, like at the beginning of creation, right? The, the earth was formed and it was formless and void, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the dark waters. All that is ancient imagery for the idea of chaos, of destruction, of, of like all these ideas. And so when the sea is gone, that first of all, idea is like all these principalities and world things, all the things that like come at you and you have no control over, when world war happens or pestilence happens or economic financial disasters happen and all the chaotic things, throw it out the window, right? And then the second thing is this, is that Jerusalem comes down like a bride, and there's this idea of purity that's so telling. And then when it describes God with us, it describes it in such tender moments, he will wipe away every tear. Let's think about the father. I have kids that are five. They cry a lot. There's lots of boo-boos. There's lots of late nights and lots of, lots of things that happen. And the images of God the Father grabbing you, holding you, with his own hands, wiping away the tears. I mean, the chaos that we experience it here in our life, the death, the tears, the hurt is gone. And I love at the end, and I know we're going to be brief here today because we're all sweating it out and we can't be here very much. Your brains are already about to check out, I'm sure. But I love how it ends. It's offered without cost, right? It says, hey, whoever's thirsty, just come. Without cost, I will give you water. You know, I love this verse because it really points to the way beyond the blue, that high idea of what heaven is like. And I love the fact that God, when he gave this, this vision to, to John, he, he didn't give a bunch of descriptive stuff, a whole bunch. He just said, hey, here's what I really want you to know. I'm going to be with you. And you're going to be with me. And it's going to be the type of relationship where you're in my arms and I'm wiping your tears. It's so amazing that we didn't focus again on mansions or money or servants or all these different things. But God in his grace gave us this idea that the God that we serve is so good that when he describes just being with him, our hearts would jump. And the death that my mom experienced or the loved one that you know and you're thinking of at this moment, says this, death is no more. Mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. For I am making everything new. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we love you so much. And uh, 
it's amazing to just sit there and think about heaven. And God, even though there's so many ways that we you probably could have described to us what heaven is like, you really, a lot of times, leave it up to our imagination to think about. But the one thing you wanted us to know is that you're going to be our God. 